corral and the spars, but <laughs> we're not we're not one bit happy that uh, fifty of us on this boat and we're not one bit happy. For immediate reaction from around the grounds, catch League of Ireland late night. Every Friday, 10 p.m. on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off the Ball. Friday Night Racing on Off the Ball. And they're Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. Yes, welcome along to Friday Night Racing on Off the Ball. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie or follow the Twitter account at hri racing. Hashtag every racing moment. I'm joined in studio by Johnny Ward. How are you, Johnny? What's the story? How are you getting on? Good now, not too bad. And I'm delighted to say that this week's racing guest is jockey Chris Hayes. How's it going, Chris? Hi, how are you guys? Good now, not too bad. Chris, you have four rides in Fairy House today? Yeah, four rides in Ferry House today. So yeah, I'm just back from France. So we'll um, we'll see how we get on. Busy. How was France? Uh, long day. Uh, <laughs> was hoping for a little bit better, but look, we'll have to dust ourselves off and go again. Brilliant. And the big one was the hugely impressive winner on Homeless Songs for the Tattersalls Irish 1000 Guineas at the Curra last Sunday for trainer Dermot Wells and the owner as well, Moy Glairstrud. Yeah, it was uh, it was an important win. She's a really really exciting filly, and um, it was great to um, it was great to to see her do what what I kind of had the faith in her, and I suppose the whole team had the faith in her being capable of doing. Did it um, did it come as any surprise to you, Chris, how impressive she was? Because like you're dealing with the the horse that was third at Newmarket. Um, it looks you know strong belly doyle battalion in the race, and you're coming out of winning the trial at Leopardstown. Um, were you impressed by the way she did it, or were you surprised at all? Um, obviously very impressed, Johnny. Mm. But um, I suppose you'd have to say you were somewhat surprised with the the manner in which she done it. I always thought she was, um a high class filly um, I've said it umpteen times now I rode her last year and a piece of work and thought she was um, probably one of the, the best two year olds I'd sat on last year and looked maybe she weakened out towards the end of the year in the Killavullen and she's just gone from strength to strength this year um, trained beautifully relaxed as well at home and uh, she's a credit to the whole team I know the boss was wor- a little bit concerned or worried about the extra furlong, but from my point of view, from riding her, I thought she'd um, she'd be better because I'd be able to sit in her that little bit longer. But I was still shocked when I looked up going by the two and I was still having to, to take a pull and not hit the front too soon in her. That's That was an unbelievable feeling. It's a funny game, isn't it? Like, buy Frankel out of a Dubawi mare and you're worried about stepping up some mile. Yeah, she... like. She's an absolute rocket at home. Um, she she's so laid back. She's Dylan, who rides her out every day, does a great job on her. But she's so laid back when you're riding her in a piece of work or anything like that. But it's just a case of push button. Um, obviously, the team knew her a little bit better than I did last year because it was very laid on when I sat in her. But for for Fiona, uh, Craig, and the boss, the both say she'd have been competitive or, or capable of winning. Um, at a high level over six just goes to show the amount of pace she has but I suppose when you're stepping into that kind of level and those calibre horses you need to have that kind of pace um, if you're going to be one of the top tier what what sort of feel did she give you at Leopardstown? Because like visually that day, it looked like it looked like she just had a turn of foot that they just didn't have at all. I know it was like Group Three or whatever, but you're taking on Agartha. Did did that day tell you like okay, this might be something? 
yeah, to be honest, it was about two weeks before um, in a piece of work. Um, she had done her standard kind of half speed into an easy little three parts. And the feeling she gave me that day, she really felt like she'd matured. She'd settled well into her work and she'd gone with um, a, a nice budget of uh, horses and she'd come up just on their tails. And I think that was the day that I kind of started to have real belief and confidence in her. And that's kind of why I rode her maybe as confident as I did the, the two times I've ridden her this year because um, she'd get your heart racing now the way she's able to, to quicken and extend. And she's able to do that off a fast or a slow pace. So, um, yeah, she's she's one you've been dreaming about all along anyway. She's uh, she's by Frankel. And Frankel, um, I think it's fair to say, Frankel is like going to be Galileo's kind of heir apparent in all of Galileo's sons. This is the one like that. Um, Frankel's going to be that stallion. But a lot of them, they're probably not quite as straightforward as the Galileo horse. A lot of them just a little bit hot. But is she sort of, is she very straightforward in her work, Chris? Um, yeah, she is, to be fair. Um, she... Oh, I know she ran keen in the Moigler last year, um, but I'd say, to be to her credit, she went from a maiden in Leperstown where she done it so easy that she probably, it probably all went over her head. She probably didn't learn as much as you'd have been hoping from from a first run. Um, she wasn't beaten that far against high class fillies, and that was the race I kept going back to. Like for her to be able to do it all wrong and not be beaten that far at that level. Um, I've no explanation why she ran as poor as she did in the Killavolum. Maybe ground was too heavy. Maybe she was a little bit weak. I don't know. But um, she wasn't beaten far at the same time. No, she wasn't. But the feeling she had given me in the bit of work beforehand, because um, the boss asked me to come in. Oshim was out injured, and Colin was actually due to go to to Ascot, and. Uh, he'd offered me the ride provided Colin's commitments had stayed the way they were um, and I thought I was after just landing on one I said she'll take an awful lot of beating things changed Colin didn't go to Ascot and he got back and I thought it was a formality so that's the only kind of I know she wasn't beaten that far but it's the only blip um, probably in her form because she she did run too keen in the Moigler but She's just transformed this year. She's a pleasure to do anything with. But it's probably a lot down to to the training of her and um, the team that's in Rosewell. Like, she's ridden out by, by Dylan every day, does a, a wonderful job getting her to relax. She, You wouldn't take any notes for going up the gallop. I've often... She's one you'd look out for, and she's just sauntering along. He, he's riding her off a long rein. Um she doesn't get overworked the boss kind of just leaves her do her own thing um honestly you wouldn't even know she was there that's how chilled out she has and i'd say that's probably due to the fact that she's been trained to do that um i read last week or earlier this week that fiona said that the boss had trained her mind and that's why she is the way she is and maybe that's the way you have to train the frankels yeah and it's you mentioned dylan there as well like how how important are those work riders and the fact that, you know, I suppose to the general public, nobody takes much notice of them, but like your riding of the horse in comparison to Dylan will say is almost like just um, far, far less, obviously. Yeah, look, they're the, they're the backbone of it. It's grand me being able to sit up in her for her last couple of bits of work and 
being able to hopefully get her in the right position on, on the big day. But they're the lads that know them inside out and know whether they're they're right and well in themselves before we ever get the opportunity to work them. Um, and I think there's a, a wonderful bunch of riders in in Roswell and from the headman traveling headman right down to to those lads that are looking after the horses in the afternoon if they weren't as good at their job it would make our job an awful lot harder final question for me on this what was the experience like at the Curra where you are so full of horse and uh, like are you kind of looking around you to see okay is nothing's coming from behind like I, I've everything covered here and I can just I mean it was a five and a half lengths so I can just press go in a classic uh, and, and that's it done yeah, it was a it was a weird feeling. Um, I jumped and she she settled into a lovely rhythm, and I was kind of conscious because I knew Henry de Bromhead's filly quite well and had held her in high regard. That if I could get on her tail, I thought she'd bring me as far as I needed to go. And she's a solid filly in her own right. I got onto to her tail. Billy's traveling away, lovely. I'm looking up and I said, right, better ease out now and give her a little bit of room here and keep it nice and simple and straightforward. And I took take a look up and we're only approaching the two. So I actually had to take a sit. And I just kind of half gave a laugh to myself saying, I can't believe I'm taking a bull going by the two in a classic. And then if I was a little bit cooler, I could have stayed sitting on her a little bit longer. But Got there too I- soon, Chris. <laughs> yeah well you could say it but um, I looked up I said right there's no point in, in stopping momentum here I'll give her a squeeze and, and kick her forward um, she got she, probably due to my excitement as well she rolled around a little bit for a stride or two and then was gun barreled straight to the line but the speed she was going for the last half of furlough like it's it's like a drug, I'd say, because I knew this, how fast she was going. I said, if anything is going to pass me out now, it, it's going to be someone in a Jeep because she's absolutely winging here. There's no way that somebody will be able to be finishing as fast as she is. Um, so, yeah, it was probably the biggest race that I was able to enjoy the most because everything just went so smooth and the buzz I got from that last half of four and known that nothing was going to be able to to be sprinting to the line the way she was. Um, mm. It was phenomenal, yeah. It's like the equivalent of like playing for Meads and basically being presented with an open goal in an all and final in the last <laughs> second. It's like this, this, what is happening here, you know? Oh, absolutely. And the, the speed that she was cruising at and then the acceleration was so impressive. You keep mentioning the feeling so you, you kept getting a feeling. So do you sometimes when you're getting on the horse going out from the parade ring, you get the feeling you know it's going to be a good day, you can feel her under you? Yeah. Um, I actually said to my partner leaving uh, that morning, I said the two-year-old will run well. And if the two-year-old doesn't run well, I'm going to have a bad day. That was kind of the, the impression I was going out with because the two-year-old um, had worked quite well and her form was was decent in, in Navin. She ran below par and I kind of went, oh, maybe I'm after getting this little piece of work wrong. But to get on her then and how relaxed she was in the paddock, how relaxed the team were, how relaxed the boss was, it was very, very, um, it was very unusual in the sense that 
it just felt like I was going out to write her in a piece of work. Um, and when I sat up in her, she didn't, the occasion wasn't getting to her. She was very chilled out. She was very relaxed. She cantered down to the start like a, like a pro. So all them things just start ticking boxes for you in your own head. And you're able to give a little sigh of relief because the last thing you want to do is have them sweating, jig jogging on the tunnel out, keen down to the start. Already the blood is up on them. In turn, that might get your blood up a little bit. Um, but everything was just so chilled out. It felt like slow motion. So there is some days where you will get that that feeling. But then there's other days where all those things will go right on the way down and it'll still go wrong for you in the race. Oh, it's incredible. And Moigler stood its own by Eva Marie Bushy Hefner, a huge supporter of Irish racing. And you could see her celebrations in the parade ring after the, the Homeless Songs win. You could see really what it meant to her. Yeah, the emotion... It, it was lovely to see because um, she's an incredible woman. She's put so much in to, to racing, to the Curra itself, to the gallops on the Curra. Um, to see that emotion and how much it meant to her afterwards. And I, I, I've met Ava Marie only a handful of times. And I remember she was in Fairy House when Search for a Song won her maiden. And the same emotion was there that day. So it's not as if it was because it was a big day that the emotion took over. She just loves her animals, uh, loves her horses, loves her race and, and understands the game inside out. And she gets as much of a buzz from winning a maiden in Fairy House as she does say classic. And that's lovely to see and it's lovely to be a part of. And it's a privilege to be a part of, of that whole setup. Absolutely. And it's what it's all about. An Irish flat race and it's so competitive. Just how hard is it to win a classic? Oh, look, I've I've been absolutely blessed that I've landed on a on a couple of proper horses. It, it it's very hard. There's some brilliant riders in the way room who who haven't ridden a classic winner, but sometimes it'll it, it'll come around for you. But to win a stakes race in Ireland is it, hard. Um, I'm used to going a little bit better than I'm. It's a funny thing to say when you're after winning the classic, but I'm used to having kind of a few be, being busy or having a few more rides, riding more winners than um, than I am this year. But you kind of want to be riding the the quality horses and riding in the bigger races. So fortunately enough to be landing into Rosewell this year with with the team of horses they have, and they're just starting to to really hit form now. Could make up into a very good summer that's the thing because you you have had a quiet year and even going into the guineas you'd ridden a lot of losers basically not not necessarily fancied horses just a lot of um, horses that just simply didn't win and I think um, I think Dermot had only had three individual winners apart from Home of Song this season going into the Curra I think so does that um, does that matter at all when you ride something like you did on Sunday like does that kind of go out the window where it's like well these are the days that stick in your mind and that's that buzz that you'll never forget yeah, they're the important days. I I think the fact that um, I wouldn't really, it wouldn't really bother me form and and that kind of thing. People had been saying it to me uh, in the lead up to the weekend, and then it, it is sticking in your mind a little bit. But the the horses that we'd ran, a couple of them had ran below par, but nothing had ran deplorable or anything mm. like it. You know they. We had a couple of disappointments, but with legitimate reasons, with ground and things like that. But um, 
I think it was the just the the calmness, the whole build up to to the guineas um, and the calmness on the day just makes it that little bit more enjoyable and a little bit easier. And she had other options as well. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's an unusual one because if obviously the boss wasn't worried about the form or anything like it because if he was, he might have panicked and maybe sent her to Newmarket or sent her to France. It all just seemed very organised and the writing was going to be done by by homeless songs regardless of whether you miss an English or a French classic. Um, she was, once conditions were right, she was going to go to uh, go to the chorus. So, yeah, I think the Cameron effect was noticeable. So the form and that kind of thing never really crossed my mind. A little bit frustrating when you're not riding winners, but wouldn't really dent my confidence when um, when I was after sitting her and she'd done the piece of work she'd done. That was enough for me. And on that note, I think we have footage of the race. They're off. 14 fillies over a mile in the Tattersall's Irish 1000 Guineas. And up front, it's Tuesday Panama Red, attended by Concert Hall at Garthers moved up. And right with them, and the stripes and red cap is Villanova Queen as they race the end of the first furlong. So on settling down, it's Agartha leading to the elbow Tuesday in the dark blue, followed by History and Villanova Queen as they come up to the six. Next is Panama Red with Mise-en-Scene and Concert Hall and Stargirls, Al Mal and Purple Pay and Freedom of Speech and Homeless Songs, two-thirds of the way back in these early stages. Then the Chestnut Philly Lullaby, the White Cap, Lady of Inish Free, Last but one and the back marker is Ermanis Dreyer. It's Agartha showing just about a length in front of Tuesday, a handy second. On the inside is History disputing third place as they come inside halfway with Villanova Queen then Concert Hall driven hard is Mise en Scene then Stargirls Al Mal and Purple Pain Homeless Songs is creeping into contention. Lady of Inish Free next to the outside of Panama Red then Ermanis Dreyer Freedom of Speech and Lullaby. Two and a half furlongs to go and it's Agartha strongly pressed by Tuesday in the dark blue jacket. Homeless Songs is cruising up to them on the outside of Stargirl's Almal as they race to the final furlong and with a sweeping run, it's Homeless Songs who's come from the back of the field under Chris Hayes to draw away as they run up towards the finish. It's Homeless Songs winning Dermot World, a landmark 20th Carlet Classic in the Tennis of Irish 1000 Guineas wins by a straight from Tuesday Concert Hall, Stargirl's and on the outside, purple pay with a guard. Does that still get your uh, get you jiggy, Chris? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. How many times you watched the video? Let's be honest. To be honest, I actually didn't watch it after until uh, late Sunday night when I got home after uh, going out for dinner. I got home, sat down, I watched the racing TV coverage and the RTE coverage, and I haven't watched it since. That's mad. Um, but it, it's just been flat to the boards with racing and mm. things like that I'd say with no racing on Sunday I'd say I'll probably sit down Saturday evening and re-watch it all again with a bottle of beer and try and soak it up and enjoy it because uh, yeah you have to enjoy them days they, they don't come around that often um, and a filly like that doesn't land on your lap um, I I appreciate how lucky I am to be able to to sit on her and 
for the connections to lead me on her so yeah we'll try and enjoy her while we have her so like we've the best sporting weekend almost ever Saturdays ever. and then Chris is adding in just watching himself winning a <laughs> classic on Sunday into the mix that's allowed that's absolutely allowed yeah. you have to enjoy these moments that's probably the most important part isn't it uh, it's better than any Champions League final watching that again because at least I know the result yeah <laughs> you're Actually, not on edge <laughs> where does it compare now like that's where does that compare versus your career highlights Someday, where would it compare against the rest of them? Um, Got to be the look, best nearly, is it? Uh, she's probably the best. Uh, yes, yeah, there is no probably. She is the best. The handicapper kind of said that the other day when he gave her 120, which is the highest, I believe, in 30 years. Um, it was a great buzz. I got to enjoy it the most uh, of all the big winners I've ridden. But I can't ever get over the reception Alt had got uh, mm. with the, um, in 2016 walking back in um, the man I started out riding for and Kevin Prendergast leading him back in that was just an unbelievable buzz uh, I still the memories have come up on my social media and mm. I still would take the time to sit down and watch that because that was phenomenal it was the old Cora the old parade ring um he was leading him back in from halfway and he was telling me that I'd gone too soon on him do you know I can still remember the conversation walking back in <laughs> and just mentioning Kevin Prendergast he's about 89 or 90 years of age you know what is it like to, to ride from now yeah he's 90 in July uh, still has wow. the same still has the same enthusiasm he had that day walking back in at the Cora he's still waiting to to land on another one which I think is like his work ethic at that age is phenomenal um, and he has a, a, a half sister to to Autad uh, a Frankel filly called Mina who um, she's a good high class filly um, had a little issue late last year in her training but she's back this year and hopefully touch wood if, if things stay well with her she could be an exciting filly for him in the second half of the year He's he's he like he's such an inspiration on one level, and also I think I don't know is he Chris a great example of how healthy it is to live a, the life of of somebody who lives outdoors with horses. Basically, that's his life. I know he gave up. I think he gave up fags in, when he was fifty. His father was on his deathbed, and he said like you better give up the cigarettes. And I think he was fifty, if not forty. It was it was a round number anyway. And he so he said that's that's probably why I'm here today. But like the lifestyle he lives and just this age just doesn't matter to him. No, definitely not. He um, he's up every morning in the yard. Depending on what time you're pulling out, he's the first one there. Um, he'll be walking around the yard, watching to see who's in early and who's in late. And if I'm rushing down the avenue trying to sneak in a piece of work for somebody else beforehand, the watch will be being tapped <laughs> as you're coming in. And I've been with him 19 years. You know, there's no um, there's no easy days left on you. Um, He's just phenomenal. See him at the top of the gallop, walking across the flat rat, heading over to the top of the old Vic to watch horses work. We have a big hill field out the back where um, Autad would have been doing all his work on and the boss still uses that to canter and give horses half speeds. And he'd power up that hill. And I promise you, if you saw it, you'd, you'd want a car to get up it yourself. And he'd power on through it. He'd go off with his dogs. He'll 
play golf and um, he won't be long telling you if you gave on a bad ride so he still doesn't miss much 89 or 90 years of age makes no difference if you gave on a bad ride he'll I, th- I suppose he still thinks of me as his his apprentice so even if it was one of um, Mr. Wells horses he'd still tell me you weren't good on that or you should have done this so yeah his zest for life is something to be in awe of anyway Wow that's just incredible what a man and also there's another great trainer then as well Dermot Weld obviously the, the trainer of Homeless Songs yeah it was brilliant to get um, to get the call up this year I was kind of um, just a little bit in limbo late on last year um, I had um, just finished up in Thomastown um, with, with, with the stack team so I didn't really know where it was going to go or what I was going to do and um, I suppose it's just look at the draw. Oshin got injured late on last year in um, in Nace, I think, and Colin was getting busier riding the back end two year olds for Jer. So it kind of left a little bit of a gap, and well, I was very grateful to get the call and went in and rode some work and. When um, things finished up for me in Thomastown, I just said to Mr. Well that I'd be able to commit a little bit more time and a few more days if it suited him. So mm-hmm. kind of just took off from there. So brilliant, uh, brilliant stables to be attached to and unbelievable trainers to be getting your um, your tutelage from. It, it is mad because you're you, so if that weren't the case, this could have been a kind of a slightly sketchy season for you. Yeah. It, it, you wouldn't really know. I don't know what way it was going to go. Like, I didn't uh, expect not to be in Thomastown this year, heading into the back end of last year. Um, and I most certainly didn't expect to be in Rosewell. Do you know, I was getting a lot of my rides from Thomastown. I was getting plenty of winners from Noel Mead. Um, I think I rode for 80 something individual trainers last year. I was very busy and I like to keep myself busy. So I never saw myself not being in Thomastown and being in, in Rosewell, but it's just the way it transpired. I think I had a week where I was going, God, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Um, and the phone rang, can you come in in the morning to write a bit of work? I said, I can. And um, I just threw it out there and said, I'd see what, was, what way it was taken. And Mr. Well was... He was happy. He said to me, I'll give you a call in, in January. Um, I kind of thought no more of it. Went away on holidays and he rang me and asked me to come back in. And I go in there three mornings a week. I still go into Eddie Lynham's. Um, and then I freelance around the corner for whoever I can. And I'm in Eddie Hartley's, obviously, Mr. Prendergast, Bill Farrell's, anyone really for, for on my tea break or even before I go into Rosewell. It's just incredible when you're saying that you're, you know, you're waiting for the call sometimes. Is there, I suppose, anxious moments that come with the sport? Because you, you don't know when, I suppose, the the next ride's coming or the, the next big opportunity. Yeah, I, I remember when I spoke to, to, to Fozzie, I walked back into the house and I said to Rachel, I'm not in Thomastown next year. I said, I don't know where I'm going to be. Um, and she looked at me and kind of went, what do you mean? Told her that... Um, Myself and Fozzie had parted ways and I was going to have to have a think about where I was going to go or what I was going to do or who I was going to 
kind of talk to and see who I could get into. And um, yeah, it was later that week, I think that could have been the Tuesday. And I think I got a call on the Thursday afternoon to ask me to come in and sit up on a horse on Friday morning. Um, so I just said, I'll, I'll just throw it out there and see, would I be any use to him or had he any interest in, in having me there? For a couple of days next season riding work and he said yeah i'll give you a call in january and uh yeah it's it's funny the way it can go like that's why i appreciate the fact that the owners have been loyal to me and, and kept me on homeless songs and obviously pat downs and the team at the aga cans and then you have rory and barry man from judgment they've been phenomenal putting me up no issues I'm in there three mornings a week. Um, it's like I've been there all my life. I just rode in. Everybody was welcome. And so it, it helps as well when you're you're getting that kind of reception. It's Chris's birthday in August. What age do you think he is? Oh, my God. Put me on the spot here now, Johnny. Um, I'm going to go with 27. He's 35. Stop. So that's um, that's the, the we'd run and wheeling on recently. That's how youthful these lads look, Chris. So it wasn't as if you were uh, wasn't as if you were starting off as an apprentice, Chris. Since so you're in your mid thirties, you're just at the prime of your career, and you're kind of like, what's the season going to be like for me? Yeah, um, I, I had quite a good season last year, so mm. I wasn't I wasn't worried about. Well, I suppose that's just the game we're in, really, yeah. isn't it? When you think of it, like I wasn't worried about where I was going to be racing next. I was flying in Dundalk as well. So, yeah. um, and then, I don't know, it's just the way circumstances work out. Like I had a, I had a great six years in, in, in Thomastown, wrote some big winners, but sometimes it's just the business model doesn't suit to have a first jockey down in Thomastown. And then you're kind of going, well, what do I do now? I don't know, maybe it was luck. I got the phone call to go in and ride work two days later. Maybe it was coincidence. I don't know. I, I won't question it too much, but uh, maybe that's why I look as young as I do. I don't stress about it too much either. I got the same from Rodrigo, my uh, hair stylist, the other day. So I was, I was delighted anyway. Last question for me for you. Um, any other horses look out for this year? Obviously, if M- Mina can get back on track, I think she is... Um, She's she's one that I was looking forward to. She was kind of one of the flagship horses that I was banking my season on this year before I ever got the phone call from from Rosewell. And I couldn't go without mentioning Romantic Proposal. I think she's going to be uh, a star this year. She's improved. She's with the right man. And um, I'm looking forward to riding her in Ascot. I wonder how cool would it be if Mina were to fulfil her potential? Yeah, like they're, they're three exciting fillies. If the three of them keep bright and healthy and well, I could have, uh, I could have an exciting second half of the year. And if it'd be brilliant for the boss at his stage in his career, he keeps saying to me, "I'm in the departure lounge." So it'd be great for him if he could land on her, and she could compete at the the top level. I'd, that'd really make the year for me if she was able to do that. Well, Chris Hayes, thanks a million for joining us. Best of luck now in Ferry House for the rest of the day. We'll chat to you again soon. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me. It's easy knowing Jer isn't here because Jer 
like he's always thinking of how do I make a few quid here like because he would have asked him oh I see you have four in Ferry House here any sort of a chance I see you have a few more tomorrow and actually on Sunday well that so. was going to be my question but I wasn't sure if I was allowed to do that or not oh, well, <laughs> you absolutely are uh, no rules in this show well we're just going to take a quick break Johnny's going to stick around and we'll be back after this Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball and they're brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland love every racing moment visit hri.ie you're very welcome back. Friday Night Racing is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment and visit hri.ie. Hashtag every racing moment. What's the crack, Johnny? What do we have to look out for How did you enjoy this weekend? That now? Oh, really amazing. I love hearing those stories. The, the yeah. realms of racing now. Mm-hmm. Of course. And just the way he speaks about it and getting the feel for the horse and how it's different mm. and, and how he just, he knew she was different this year around. You know, he could feel the difference in her. You did bits of um, reaction after the Grand National, didn't you? How did you I enjoy did. the yard visit? Oh, it was amazing. It was incredible, yeah. Uh, Dermot McLaughlin's yard um, between Ratote and Karaha. Mm. He doesn't say if he's a Karaha or a Tote yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah, it was It was brilliant. Lord Lariat, um, I had him backed, so that, that was sweet. As That's well. right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just that it was a local win as well. You know, it, it made it extra special. My cousin uh, Rebecca McIntyre, she she was there. She led him out. Oh, so gosh, that yeah. was amazing. You know, um, and then Paddy O'Hanlon as well would have went to school in Rotot, grew up in Rotot. So it was, a, it was a massive occasion for the whole Rotot. Like you could see in the parade ring after yeah, yeah. what it meant to everyone, and everyone was running from the stands. You know. To, to see them and yeah it, it was a great moment and getting to visit the yard and, and seeing Lord Lariat and Freewheeling Dylan is still in there too mm. so yeah it was it was brilliant to see but what a story you know back to back winners oh, uh, like I was doing the odds of something like I don't know 20,000 to 1 or something totally off the charts I mean the amount of good trainers who can't win the Irish National not to mind win it twice but if you did go to Dermot Wells in of a day um and you see a horse like that, like by Frankel, it's just the most regal, flat pedigree, and they are stunning. Like they're absolutely stunning. And you mentioned the owner and Moigler, like they'll already be thinking, what are her offspring going to be like if we can match her with like the best stallions around? And if I suppose the more you get into racing, it is it just brings you down this road of of discovery and like there's always a past in terms of pedigrees and all that but there's always then that future of you know what's Homeless Song is going to produce herself as a, as a broodmare and she becomes the mother then and you know some racehorses don't necessarily take to it um, but some take to it like a duck to water and you, you can imagine the love that she'll have then for her first foal and the whole thing begins again well just meeting Dermot McLaughlin like, and as you mentioned his yard like it's just immaculate mm. and the horses are in such good shape and so well looked after you know you can really see you know what it means to, to these people like you know it's it's not just a profession in any way it's you life. know this is life you mm. can hear there from Chris it is absolutely life and it, it, it's really everything to them and I suppose that's what's opened my eyes a bit more that I, I'm getting into that world a little bit um, yeah. you know reporting in and I'm like was wow. that uh, was the sliding doors moment then the fact that Dermot won the national and you had a connection to the horse um, a, a small bit like obviously I grew up beside Ferrius Racecourse yeah. so that's always been a, a big part of my life and Obviously, with the Carberries, we have the Barry Garrity, you know, we're around her tote, you know, you're spoiled for choice, yeah. you know. I grew up looking up to Nina Carberry, you know. Um, and little, then, little knowing what a celebrity she'd later become <laughs> on yeah. the TV. Like. Dancing with the Stars yeah. too, yeah. 
Incredible. Um, and then my cousin Martin McIntyre as well. He's a jockey as well. Mm. So, you know, it, it's definitely within within our family, and we've always, you know, had an interest. But I think the the local attraction of the Grand National Ferry House that's definitely you know really yeah. upped my interest. Yeah. What about for you? Where did Just you get through, into it? I was bored, so I went into the bookies in college. That was literally it. I had no so. interest. Bobby Joe was owned uh, in Mount Bellew, and I remember they brought him to the school, and I was probably about seven, 16, 17 and I come up with some nonsense about like animal rights or whatever I remember saying to one of my mates and he's like what are you talking about I was like oh like the way they treat horses some rubbish like and uh, so I had no interest whatsoever like Bobby Joe meant nothing to me and um was like in college studying journalism we did about 10 hours a week and we didn't even do them either so we would so much spare time and there was a bookies beside me I went in met some of the best friends I've ever met we owned a horse together who actually ran in the Irish National and um, was a very good horse that's uh, right yeah and that was it yeah just out of, in, purely out of boredom that's how Bobby good Joe Bobby Joe yeah One so horse. There's, a, there's a statue of him in, in, in Mount Bellew now and obviously trained by the Carbies as you know and yeah. um, owned in Mount Bellew. there's a statue of him and people have gotten stuck to the statue on uh, particularly <laughs> cold nights on uh, after a few beers um, but yeah it's a really cool icon in my value um, I remember Bobby Joe it was um, my brother's christening it was when he came back from Aintree so when he won Aintree and yeah he was coming back to the village and mum was having a party and she had everything ready to go and whatever and she was said that she like looked around and all of a sudden there's less and less people around in the house and you know she'd gone to so much effort and word had got through that Bo- Bobby Joe was coming back through the village Oh wow! and I remember getting thrown into the car and we were all brought down and it's like probably one of the best childhood memories you know everyone lying in the streets and retouting and seeing him come through with the Carberries and oh geez, it was just incredible yeah and yeah. the father and son team like the late Tommy Carberry and mm. Paul is the most gifted jockey I've ever seen and yeah great days unbelievable and this weekend then racing wise what's happening yeah we're in um, I was I was said to you before the show um, your local track was uh, was um, Navin but it's obviously uh, Fairy House but tom- tomorrow um, we're racing in Navin and uh, that'll be cracking cards uh, very good racing on the flats tonight we're in Limerick and Fairy House um, also in Punchstown tomorrow where they have uh, an all jumps card on Sunday and then we're counting down to the Derby next weekend so all uh, all systems go for that Brilliant, loads to look forward to. And by the way, the Tote 10 to follow for the flat season is now open for entries at tote.ie. Both free and paid games are available with a guaranteed €20,000 minimum prize for the winner of the paid game. You have until this Monday, the 2nd of June at 6pm to enter 10 to follow stables on tote.ie. That's all we have time for on Friday Night Racing and Off the Ball. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. Thanks, Johnny. No worries. Friday Night Racing on Off the Ball. And they're Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie.